Hello and welcome to the Flying Frisbee podcast with me, Dominic Frisbee. As always, you can read today's article, you can listen to today's article, or as some like to do, you can read and listen at the same time. And today's piece is a Sunday morning thought piece. It's actually an article I wrote on the 22nd of June 2016, the day before the EU referendum, and it was called 10 Reasons I'm Voting to Leave the EU. And I thought with everything that's happened since um, that it was well worth rereading and thinking about. It's amazing how many of these things remain issues, especially immigration, and how few have been properly acted upon. It's also amazing just how our leaders, the Conservative government especially, has failed us. Brexit was such an opportunity to reset, to start again, to redesign our country at a time when so many are craving change. And in that regard, you would probably have to say that Boris was the biggest missed opportunity of the lot, especially given the mandate he had in 2019. Anyway, here's the article. What do you think? I love Europe but I want to leave the EU. It's obvious, but based on some of the things I'm reading on social media and elsewhere, it needs saying again. Voting to leave the European Union is not voting for Boris or Nigel or anyone else. The elected Conservative government will remain in power until there's another election, at which point we can vote for a different party if we so wish. This is simply a vote on whether we should remain part of the administrative body that is the EU. It doesn't mean you'll no longer be able to travel to France. It doesn't mean your continental friends will not be able to come to the UK. And it doesn't mean we will no longer be able to trade with our European brothers and sisters. I should say my grandparents were Italian. I speak five European languages, three fluently. I've lived several years of my life on the continent and I do business with people in Europe all the time. I'm a Europhile and I want out of the EU. Here are 10 reasons why. 1. Centralised power is the wrong way to go. People thrive most in societies in which power is distributed as thinly and widely as possible. In such environments, they're happier, healthier, wealthier, freer, and they achieve more. The EU, by design, centralises power in Brussels. We're moving into an age of decentralisation and localisation. The EU is the wrong model for the times. 2. Fringe nations perform better. Since the inception of the EU in 1993, the economies of Norway, Switzerland and Iceland, even with its financial crisis, the fringe nations have on a per capita basis dramatically outperformed their neighbouring EU economies. We would be a fringe nation and that would suit us. 3. Regulation should be local. Around 65% of regulation is now set in Brussels. It is of a one-size-fits-all variety and so often inappropriate to local circumstances. Rather than facilitate progress, regulation hinders it. Yet, once in place, regulation is hard to change. Rather than get cut, it is added to. We already have too much in our lives. What we need would be much better set locally according to local needs and circumstances. 4. The economic disaster that is Southern Europe. 
We now have 39% youth unemployment in Italy, 45% in Spain and 49% in Greece. These countries are unable to do the things they need to do to kickstart their economies because decisions are being taken on their behalf, not locally, but in Brussels. I cannot support with my vote an organisation that has inflicted such misery on its people. Reform of a bureaucratic organisation like that from within is an impossible undertaking. Five, immigration policy is becoming ever more important. There are more and more people in the world, and whether it's those displaced by wars, by lack of water, by poverty, hunger or lack of opportunity, more and more of them are on the move. We're in a migration of people of historic proportions. The UK, in the way it currently operates, will struggle with immigration levels over 300,000 a year and growing every year for a sustained period. We don't have the infrastructure. I wonder how we get those numbers down. I'm not sure we can, either in or out of the EU. It is a tide in the affairs of men. But we're in a better position to do it with total control of our own borders and border policy. Six trade deals are a red herring. As a percentage share, British trade with the EU, despite the single market, has fallen by almost 20% since 1999. British trade with the US, on the other hand, has grown and we have no official trade deal with the US. There's a chart of exports for your delectation there in the article. And there is no point having a common market if the economies of the countries you're in that market with are dying. 7. Further integration with the EU equals economic decline. When Britain joined the common market in 1973, the EU, as it is now, produced 38% of the world's goods and services, 38% of global GDP. In 1993, when the EU formally began, it produced just under 25%. Today, the EU produces just 17%. The obvious explanation for this is the rise of the Asian economies, which have taken on a bigger share of global GDP. But why then has the US's share not fallen by as much? The US's share of global GDP stood at 30% in 1973, 27% in 1993 and at 22% today. That's a 55% drop for the EU versus a 27% drop for the US. Run away. 8. Democratic accountability matters. The EU is not a democratically accountable body. I didn't vote for the administrators and nor did you. I don't know who most of them are. If we want to vote them out, what do we do? We can't do anything. And if you want some idea as to the esteem in which they hold democratic process, how about this from the President of the European Commission, Jean-Claude Juncker? Prime Ministers must stop listening so much to their voters and instead act as full-time Europeans. Or how about another one of his remarks? When it gets serious, you have to lie. Just what you want in a President. Do you remember voting for him? I certainly don't. 9. Land ownership and the common agricultural policy. There is no greater manifestation of the wealth divide in the UK than who owns land and who doesn't. 70% of land in the UK is owned by fewer than 6,000 people. Yet these people are not paying tax on the land they own, they are receiving subsidies for it. Landowners are being paid by the EU to own land. Of the EU budget, 40% goes on agricultural policy. This has created vast amounts of waste. It has propped up inefficient businesses that have failed to modernise. It has reinforced monopolies which should be broken up. Worst of all, it has meant that African farmers have been unable to compete, depriving millions of a livelihood, not to mention cheaper food for the rest of us. I cannot endorse with my vote an organisation that does this and shows zero inclination to change its ways. Finally, the common fishing policy. 
60% of EU water is British or Irish. We've not been given any continental land, why should we be? Yet we have had to cede control of our waters to gain EU membership. What was once a huge industry and the largest fishing fleet in Europe has all but disappeared. The French, Italian, Spanish and Greeks had fished out the Mediterranean. They were given access to our waters and our quota was reduced to 13% of the common resource. The quota system brought about the dreadful practice of discards, which is putting dead fish back in the sea, and reformed EU regulation now means that rather than being put back in the water, it is brought back for landfill instead. Let's have our waters back. I don't think it takes a genius to work out which way I'll be voting tomorrow. Good luck with whatever you choose to do in what will be a historic occasion. I'm looking forward to it. I believe in the event we vote to leave, once we actually do leave, we'll experience an economic boom that will take everybody's breath away, to the extent that we will look back and wonder why we're even discussing it. Fingers crossed. If you think this article might persuade any of the wavering, undecided voters, please share it with them. From next week, I'll be back with the usual investment thoughts and ideas. So, what did you think? How right was I? How wrong was I? Post your thoughts in the comments. And if you like the article, please feel free to like and share. Obviously, seven years on, a lot has changed. <laughs> but it's uh, very interesting to look back and see where we were, where we could have been and where we are now. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back with another podcast very soon. If you like the podcast, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, goodbye.